Well, we're in a brand new year, and we're starting off a brand new sermon series today titled Taking Aim. And this two-part series is all about creating a vision for your life for this upcoming year. And if you think it's a little crazy to set goals and even dream about this upcoming year because of the year that we just had, I'm right there with you. Because every time I set my sights on a goal last year, it felt like I was aiming at a moving target. But you know and I know that if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So if you're ready to move beyond just trying to survive this crazy pandemic and try to thrive in this year, then this two-part series is for you. Now, a vision is a clear mental picture of a preferred future, or another way to think about it is a dream destination. One of the places I would love to end up this year is on a beach, and so I have this mental picture of blue skies and clear waters and white sandy beaches and a grass umbrella both above me and one in my drink just relaxing on the beach because last year I had plans for vacation and those all had to be deferred, and I'm hoping hoping and praying to be able to at least have that rest for this upcoming year. Of course, my vision for this coming year is not just about recreation and vacation. There's other things that I'm hoping to achieve, and perhaps you have some things that you would like to achieve in 2021 as well. Maybe you want to become more physically fit, and so you want to exercise more, you want to eat better because you want to lose some pounds and gain some strength. Or perhaps you want to be more uh, financially healthy, and so you want to budget You want to be more thoughtful with your money, save more, spend less on things that you end up throwing away anyways. Maybe you want to rekindle some friendships. Maybe you want to become stronger in your marriage. Perhaps you want to be a better parent. But whatever it is, having a clear destination is the thing that's going to give you determination. Next slide, please. A clear destination. It creates determination. And as we know, you need determination in order to reach a destination that is worth dreaming about. So if you want to achieve that like uh, that health goal, you're going to need that determination to get up that extra hour early or to stay that extra hour late. If you want to achieve those goals of financial health, you're going to need that determination to budget and stay on budget and to say no to some impulse buys and some things that perhaps you really need. Whatever it is, if you have a clear vision for this year, If you have a clear destination that you want to get to, that's going to give you the determination that you need to succeed. Now, of all the things that you might have a vision for, there is one thing that is the most important vision that you can have for this year. Next slide, please. The most important vision that you can have doesn't come from my opinion, but rather I think it comes from the teachings of Jesus. Now, if you're already a disciple of Jesus, then I, I think that this vision that he has that you've probably already heard about, it should be front and center of the things that you're thinking about and planning for for this upcoming year. But if you're not already a disciple of Jesus, perhaps you have some doubts, you have some questions, you're not sure what it's all about, you're in the right place because we, Faith United Church of Christ, We're a church where doubts and questions can be expressed honestly as just part of the journey of becoming a disciple. And so today, today could be really, really helpful for you because it's going to be very simple about what Jesus would say is the most important thing for us in terms of having a vision or a destination that we want to arrive at. Now, 
Uh, You can find this at a lot of different places in the Bible, but I want to take us to the Gospel of Mark. If you're brand new to the Bible, the Bible is divided into these two main sections. There's the 39 books of the Old Testament that tell the story of ancient Israel, and then there's the 27 books of the New Testament that tell about the the ministry, life, and death, and resurrection of Jesus, and the formation of a movement that we refer to today as the church. The Gospel of Mark is the oldest written and the shortest of them. We're dropping right in the midst of a series of conversations that Jesus is having with a group of people, um, uh, religious leaders that opposed him. And so Mark describes this conversation. He opens it in this way. He says, one of the teachers of the law Now, don't think like a law professor. Think more like a theological professor. A teacher of the law came and heard them debating, heard Jesus and some other people debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him. Now, when it comes to the law, what what this is referring to is a group of commandments found in the the, uh, four out of the first five books of the Old Testament, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And perhaps you've heard of the Ten Commandments, but in total, there are actually about 613 laws and commandments given amongst these four books. And the teacher of the law is saying to Jesus, out of all these possibilities, which one of them is the most important? And so Jesus He has an answer. And he says this. He says the most important one out of everything is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And Jesus right now, he's quoting perhaps the most famous prayer of ancient Israel called the Shema. It'd be as if I was to get up here and and to start to quote from the Lord's Prayer, something that almost everyone who had been to church for some time would know. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he says, love. Not just a feeling, but the way Jesus talks about love is is an action word. And and he says, the most important thing, if we're going to talk about that, let's start with the the most important thing, and it's going to be love. Love the Lord your God. Love him with all your heart. And for us in our culture, we often mistakenly think that love is just a feeling. But for Jesus, it's more than that. Love is a feeling. And for Jesus, the heart, it's the seat of our feelings. It's the seat of our desires. It's the seat of our convictions. And he does teach that out of the heart come all sorts of things. But he says, love God with your heart. Love him with your feelings and your emotions. But it's more than just that because he also says, love him with your soul. And the soul for Jesus, it was the center of the person. It was all their integrity, their identity, the, who they were. So love God, yes, with your feelings in the moment, your convictions and your desires. But love also with everything that you are, your entire identity, everything that you have. Love God also with your mind. It's a feeling. It's an identity thing, but it's also a thinking thing. For Jesus, love is a thinking endeavor. Use all your intellectual capacity and finally love God with all of your strength. Not just your physicality, but all the strength that you might have in your life. If you are are gifted with hospitality, then love God. Show your love for God by giving hospitality with everything you have. 
If you're good with finances, like one of our servant leaders here, a man named Tom, who has served our church as a treasurer and stewardship secretary for decades, love God with everything you got, as Tom has done here in this church. Love God with all of you that you have, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then he goes on. The second is this. Yeah, the teacher of the law, he said, which is the most important? But Jesus says, I can't just talk about one. I got to talk about two. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these two. Because for Jesus, you got to understand that you can love God. You can have this, this vertical sort of religion that he has. Next slide, please. You can love the Lord your God, but it always has to come with love of neighbor. The two of them come together. Well said, teacher, the teacher of the law replied. You are right, he goes on to say. You are right to say love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you're right to say love your neighbor to yourself. You're right to say that these are more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then Jesus, when he saw that he, the teacher of the law, also answered wisely, he said to the teacher of the law, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You got your priorities in the right place. You have the right answer. You know how to, out of all the things that you could prioritize, you know what to put first. But what happens next, and Mark's account of the story, is incredibly interesting and I think incredibly informative, and drives down to the issue that you may have, and I know that I most certainly have at times. Here's what happens. Mark, Mark, very next story, Mark tells us that while Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he asked, why do the teachers of the law say? And he talks about some issue with King David and a theological thing, but what I want to point out to you is that Jesus has just uh, told this teacher of the law that you got the right answer, But in the very next story, Mark records Jesus questioning and wondering, why do the teachers of the law say these other things? The story right after this goes like this. It says, as Jesus taught, Jesus says, watch out for the teachers of the law. Because they do some things that are destructive. They do some things that are harmful. They do some things that are inconsistent. Which leads us to this conclusion that it's possible to know that love is the most important thing without knowing how to love. The teacher of the law, he asked Jesus, what's the most important thing? Jesus, he quotes the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the teacher of the law, he agrees with it, and they have this just wonderful sort of moment. They're both in agreement. Love is the most important thing. And I bet most of you, if you were to ask, what's the most important thing in life, if you were to be given the choice to answer that, most of you would say love. Love. We want to love our spouses. We want to love our children. We want to love our siblings, our friends, our community. We want to love. Yet oftentimes, we struggle with it. Oftentimes, we act in ways that are contrary to it. Oftentimes, like the teachers of the law, we say things that don't align with the love that we want to have. So isn't it possible that we can know that love's the most important thing, yet we're not quite sure how to love? that we don't have a 
clear picture of what it looks like. Fast forwarding towards the end of Jesus' ministry, he's sitting down with his disciples, and he says to them as he's about to depart, he's about to get arrested, tried, and strung up on a cross, crucified. He says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. There's 600 of the 13 commandments. They don't need a new commandment. But Jesus is like, look, I'm going to give you a new one. I'm going to boil it all down. I want you to love one another. Well, Jesus, we understand that. It's always about love. Everybody gets that love's important. No, no, no. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. So must you love one another. Jesus is claiming to be the picture of love. Vision is a mental picture of a preferred future. It's a dream destination. It's an image of how things are. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, it's not revolutionary to say that that love is an important thing, but what is the game changer is when Jesus says, the picture of love is my life. The picture of love is is how I've behaved. The picture of love is how I've forgiven. The picture of love is how I've sacrificed. The picture of love is how I have loved you. And to be a follower of Jesus, it's that we begin to try to recreate this picture of love in our own lives. That we begin to try to paint that picture of love with the same brush strokes that Jesus has in the same sort of way in the context of our own lives. Yet, many people are painting without ever looking at the picture. And if you've been a follower of Jesus for some time, or maybe you're brand new to this, and, and, and you're sincere, you want to be a disciple of Jesus, something about it is just telling you that, that this is where hope is found, and purpose is found, and strength is found, and you've seen it make a difference in other people's lives, and you want that in your life, but you're wondering why, hey, it's not working out so well in the moment. Perhaps you're trying to paint without looking at the picture. In other words, you don't really know how Jesus loves. When you think about loving your spouse, when you think about loving your community, when you, when you get up in the morning and there's an opportunity to love your children, the paradigm, the picture, the vision of love is something other than the picture that Jesus paints. And so it's really simple when it comes to being a disciple. We need to have a clear picture of how Jesus loved. So I just want to give you three pieces of that picture. I've, I've preached on this topic quite a bit in the past. In fact, the vision of our church is just to simply be a group of people, a diverse group of people, though everyone is welcome, whether you are Democrat, Republican, whether you're gay, straight, new to the church, been in the church your entire life, all people are welcomed. And what we want you to come here for is simply just to learn how to love like Jesus loved. And so I have some sermon series that you could go back, and I, and I talk about this title, Love Like Jesus. But let me just give you three pieces of this picture. The first one, I, I think, is perhaps the most important one. Jesus gave the love that he got. If you read the story of Jesus, before he does anything of notable, 
before he, he gives love to anybody, heals anybody, teaches anything, he first, he goes and he gets baptized by John the Baptist, his cousin. And as he's coming out of the water, there's a message that comes down from heaven saying that this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, a message of love from God. And throughout his ministry, Jesus had a deep sense that he was absolutely loved by God. And so he was able to give incredible love out into the world because of the love that he had already received. And if you're to love like Jesus, this is how it's to work for you. The message of unconditional love that came to Jesus wasn't just for Jesus. Jesus would tell you, if you read the Gospels, he makes it quite explicit, that same message is for you. God wants you to know that you're loved unconditionally. And if you have that kind of love within you, oh, you're capable of giving love in the way that Jesus did. Another image of how Jesus loved is that he valued people over their positions. Oftentimes we look at people in terms of their position, but Jesus, he saw the value in people. He came across a guy named Peter, and his position was as a fisherman. But Jesus, he saw the value in him and saw that Peter could fish for people. His life could be about something so much bigger He came across a man named Matthew who was collecting taxes, and that was his position. But Jesus, he valued people. He saw through their position, and he saw their potential, and he knew that Matthew could collect the stories of his life and ministry and write them down. And we have those today in the gospel of Matthew. Or through the Holy Spirit, you might say. Jesus saw a man named Saul, who later was be called, to become called Paul. And Paul was an oppressor of the church. But Jesus, he saw past that position that Paul was in and saw his potential. And he saw that Paul could be one of the great spreaders of the message and ministry of the church. Jesus, he had an ability to see past somebody's position and see into their potential. And so in your life, there's people that hold various positions. They might be your children. They might be your spouse, your boss, your coworker. I'll, I'll be honest. Sometimes when we're here in our food pantry, I see people in a position of just need and I see them as just a need that we're trying to meet, and and I fail to see them as the people that they are. But when the love of Christ comes in me, it reminds me just to first greet people as people. See their potential. You never know what God might do for them. You never know what God might do through them. And Jesus, he saw the potential in people. And seeing that potential, he was able to love them into that potential. A final thing that Jesus did is that he served those who don't deserve it. And there's times in your life, perhaps in your marriage, where things maybe aren't going well, your spouse isn't being fair or treating you the way in which you'd like to, yet you're still called to love them. And it's not because they deserve it. It's not because they're fair, because it would be fair to do so. But rather, you love them because the love of God comes through you. And you know that for that marriage to be successful, you have to continue to love people beyond what they deserve. Or if you want to serve into the community, sometimes if you're serving people, you can get into a place where you wonder, like, do they really need this? Or, or do, do they deserve it? Yet we're never called to serve somebody because they deserve it. But rather, because the love of God was given to us when we didn't deserve it. 
So that is not even an issue. And Jesus, he constantly was giving love to all sorts of people that other people would have cut off. Roman soldiers, tax collectors, prostitutes, people that were his enemies. And this kind of love, it transforms things. And this is the kind of love that we're called to have in our lives. It's the kind of love that you could have a vision of for this year. So the question is, will you choose the picture of love found in Jesus to be your vision for your life in 2021? Of all the things that you could desire for 2021, all the things that you could put your heart towards, all the things you could put your identity and your sense of self towards, all the things you could put your intellect towards, all the things that you could put your strength towards, would you prioritize love? but not just any kind of love. The clear vision of love that is shown to us through the four amazing accounts of the life of Jesus Christ. I truly believe that this is the most important vision that you can have for your life. I truly believe it's the most important vision that I can have for my life. And each year, I believe that it's important to just set this vision out in front of myself for the year and just dream and develop a picture of how I might live into the picture of the master of our Lord Jesus. If you'll allow me, I'd like to pray for you. God, it's so easy to lose sight of who you are and what it means to love and who you created us to be. So I pray for each person that is with us right now that they would be compelled to see the vision of love that you made so, so clear through your son, Jesus. Help them to develop a determination to learn his teachings, to let his word and his voice and his perspective shape how they see themselves and the world around them. I join in that prayer for myself, Lord. For one thing I know, I could always be more loving. One thing I know is that love is the thing that transforms the world around us. And so God, I, I just pray for all of us that the love you have for us that is known through Jesus Christ, that that would be deep within us so that the love that you want to share through the world could come through us in the places that you've placed us. I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.